Hello, and we're back for Lesson 6 of Pastor Merritt's Old Testament Overview. Before we begin, let's remember 1 John 1, 9, as may or may not be necessary. Old Testament Overview Lesson 6, Point 1. Last lesson, I completed an analysis of Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 20, where we reviewed the creation of Adam and Eve and their fall. Point 2. In our analysis of the creation and restoration, we noted how the scripture excluded any hint of evolution. We also took note of the fact that many scientists today are convinced that much of what we know, like the Big Bang Theory, supports rather than refutes creation by fiat. 3. So why then do so many scientists still hold to creation by evolution? The answer to that question can best be found from their very own lips. W.W. W. Wheeler, in his book, Creation by Evolution, writes, No plea for the supernatural origin of anything is valid so long as there is a possibility of a natural explanation of its origin. George F. Hutchinson, 1957 Encyclopedia Britannica, writes, If there is no choice, instead of accepting the supernatural acts of God, the scientists may have to assume that there have been changes in the laws of nature. And again, in reference to any number of studies of evolution, he goes on, if the results are persistently negative, it may be necessary to fall back on some hypothesis as to secular change in the laws of nature. Arthur Thompson in the Outline of Science, has written, But frankly, the only scientific way of looking at the present-day fauna and flora is to regard them as the outcome of a natural selection. Ernest Hooten writes in Up from the Ape, Just how fins developed into limbs is still a mystery, but they did. Calvin S. Hall writes, and the inheritance of emotionality, you may question, of course, whether rat intelligence is the same as human intelligence. But if you do not put the question, you are really not an evolutionist, and, therefore, your views deserves little consideration. Horatio Newman, in Evolution, Genetics, and Eugenics writes, there is no rival hypothesis except that outworn and completely refuted idea of special creation, now retained only by the ignorant, the dogmatic, and the prejudiced. Point four. From the above quotations, it is clear bias is the order of the day. Prejudice apparently trumps science any day when it involves God. Point five. Though we have studied sin as it related to Adam and Eve, 
their fall was not the first rebellion against God. Point six. Sin first infested the earth when the satanic rebellion against God erupted in heaven. After God judged the devil and his fallen hordes, Satan, it would seem, appealed the sentence. Point seven. God graciously granted his appeal, as demonstrated by the lapse of time between the sentencing and its fulfillment. Then God created the human race endowed with volition. Matthew chapter 25 verse 41. Then shall he say also unto them, on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Revelations chapter 20, verses 9 and 10. And they went up on the breadth of the earth, and compassed the camp of the saints about, and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven, and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night for ever and ever. Point eight. Through volition, the human race would determine the outcome of the angelic conflict and man's destiny. By the exercise of choice, man would show just how right and just God was in condemning those who chose against him. Point nine. God placed man in the perfect environment of the Garden of Eden. All the fruit of the plants and trees were available for his food, all except the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Point ten. This tree was the test of man's volition. The penalty for eating the forbidden fruit was the process of physical death and an immediate spiritual death, i.e. separation from God. Such separation transcended generations, contaminating all of man's prodigies. Genesis 2.16 and 2.17 And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from the tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. Muth, Muth indicates and is better translated, giving the context, Dying, you shall surely die. Two deaths, spiritual and physical. Romans 5.12 Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men, because all sinned. Point 11. In omniscience, God knew man would sin. So his plan also included a perfect solution for the fall of man. God would send his son, Jesus Christ, to die as a substitute for mankind. God's gracious gift is eternal life through faith alone in Christ alone. Point 12. Anyone who accepts God by faith receives eternal life. That's from John 3.36, and it reads, 
Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Point 13. God's eternal rest can only be acquired by faith in Christ, never by works of man. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, that no one should boast. 13.1. Our failure to meet the standards of the Mosaic Law is only one of several barriers that keep us from Christ. And here's a point where you are, if you were following along in the outline, we have a couple of charts up here. So you can go to westbankbiblechurch.com. Old Testament, we're on Lesson 6, and there's a PDF outline for this lesson as well as all the other 142. Moving on, point 13.2. By the work of Christ, the sin barriers are removed, and we are purchased from the slave market of sin. By faith alone, we become babes in Christ, but babes with access to God and a heavenly home. Point 14. Grace excludes all human works, ability, merit, and emotion. Jesus Christ was judged for every sin in human history. From Romans 5, verse 8, and 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. So first let's go with Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were all still sinners, Christ died as a substitute for us. 1 Peter 2.24 He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2 And he is the propitiation of for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Point 15. As man could do nothing in creation, man can do nothing for salvation. By non-meritorious faith, we recognize that we cannot earn or deserve salvation. 16. Christ receives all the merit for his work on the cross. By faith, we cease all work and rest in God's salvation. Ever since the seventh day of the restoration, God has been offering mankind a rest, a Sabbath. 16.1 The Sabbath of God is the protocol plan of God. Mankind, however, has had trouble resting in his Sabbath. Point 17. The next mention of the Sabbath in the Old Testament occurs in connection with the divine emancipation of Israel from slavery in Egypt and the preparation of the manna. Exodus chapter 16 verse 23. And he said unto them, This is that which the Lord hath said. Tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which ye will bake today, 
and seethe that ye will seethe, and that which remaineth overlay up for you to be kept until the morning. Point 18. Let's back up and learn what we can about this perfect food and Israel's rejection of God's grace. 18.1. Six weeks after being recused, the ungrateful Israelites began to complain incessantly about their hunger in the wilderness. It's from Exodus chapter 16, verses 1 through 3, and they read as, The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. 18.2 God responded by miraculously providing quail in the evening and manna, bread from heaven, on the ground with the morning dew. Divine directives about the use of manna were linked to Sabbath observances to illustrate reliance upon God's grace. 18.3. The Israelites were instructed to gather only enough manna each morning as would be needed for that day. That's Exodus 16.4 and 5. They read, Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough food for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. 18.4. Manna, stored for more than one day, immediately rotted and bred maggots. The exception was the Sabbath. Manna gathered on the sixth day for the seventh day did not spoil. The divine mandate was no work. A day of respite from gathering the manna. Exodus 16:22 through 24. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, This is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever's left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning, as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. 18.5 As God worked for six days and ceased on the seventh, so the Old Testament Jews were to work six days and cease labor on the seventh. Exodus 20, verse 11. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. 
18.6. Cessation of labor signified reliance upon God. The preservation of manna on the Sabbath taught the principle that God's provision for the physical and spiritual sustenance of believers is always divorced from human works. 18.7. Manna is used in Scripture as a teaching metaphor of spiritual food. God's gracious provision of Bible doctrine for every believer. Deuteronomy 8.3 compared with Matthew 4.4. Deuteronomy 8.3. And he humbled you and let you be hungry, and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Bible doctrine. And there's that old statement you've heard in your whole life, man doesn't live by bread alone. Well, it's part of doctrine. Matthew 4, 4. But Jesus answered and said, It is written in Deuteronomy 8, 3, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. 18.8. Doctrine is only provided in amounts commensurate with positive volition and only believers will receive doctrine. First, you have to want to hear and then the manna comes. 18.8.1. In writing to the church at Pergamum in Asia Minor, symbolic of the period 300 to 800 A.D., When the church married the world, John says in Revelations chapter 2 verse 17 that hidden manna will be given to those who overcome. Revelations 2.17 He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna. 18.8.2 18.8.2 The formula for overcoming can be found in 1 John 5.5 5. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. 18.8.3 The hidden manna is that portion of God's word, the whole truth, not revealed to us in the Bible. In heaven, recall, we shall know even as we are known. Deuteronomy, chapter 29, verse 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. 18.8.4 Doctrine is a grace gift from God, and it can either be a source of blessing or cursing. Exodus chapter 16, verses 19 and 20. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Numbers, 
Chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Now the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. When the people cried out to Moses, he prayed to the Lord and the fire died down. So that place was called Tabarah, because fire from the Lord had burned among them. The rabble with them began to crave other food, and again the Israelites started wailing and said, If only we had meat to eat. Numbers chapter 11 verse 6 But now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. Chapter 11 verse 10 and 11 Then Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses also was displeased. And Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant? And wherefore have I not found favor in thy sight? That thou layest the burden of all this people upon me. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 27 and 28. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I commanded you this day, and a curse if ye will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day, to go after other gods which ye have not known. 18.8.5 Manna sustained the Jews in the wilderness until they entered the temporal rest of the land God promised to give them, but not all of God's children accepted the rest. An age-old problem. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Here we go. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because those who heard did not combine it with faith. Now we, who have believed, enter that rest, just as God has said. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet, his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For someone he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. And on the seventh day God rested from all his work. And again in the passage above he says, They shall never enter my rest. It still remains that some will enter that rest, and those 
who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore God again set a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later he spoke through David, as was said before. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains, then, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. 18.8.6 Point of Information and Interest We have studied creation, chaos and restoration. A perfect creation became chaotic with Satan's fall, and then God, out of grace, began a process of restoration. Notice the similarity with the human race. Adam and Eve were created perfect until they fell, and then God began a restoration process by means of the two power options. 18.8.7 Both Satan and mankind have been resisting the restoration in varying degrees ever since. And that completes Old Testament Overview number 6. I appreciate you listening along with us. And remember, you can visit us on westbankbiblechurch.com or you may be there now and you can go to the podcast and listen to the lessons there as well. You have a wonderful week. And remember, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So long.